Well, I'm blessed to have Loving Hands ministry here. Joe Hamlin is the uh, executive director now. Is that the title? Amen. And uh, years ago, he sat like you sat here in this audience with his grandma. And he was not who he is today. Amen. But he didn't quite see it. But God just life. Amen. Welcome Joe Hamlin today. Oh, Lord. Good morning. So blessed to be here. As he said, my name's Joe Hamblin. And uh, I'll just go into a little, a uh, little bit of it as he was talking about it. I used to come into this uh, sanctuary. It was actually when we were at uh, Lemon Bay. And uh, to kind of go back a little bit, this is going to give you an idea of what we do here at Loving Hands. And I would go into the church, and I had gotten saved in 2007 in a jail. Uh, fell back into drugs. I hadn't been taught what to do. After that, I just knew that Jesus had saved me in 2007. Um, but then about 2008. Uh, I had gotten back into drugs, and my grandma had moved from Indianapolis to Inglewood, Florida, uh, this small little retirement community. And when I was in drugs, I knew that if I went to my grandma's, I could get, get away from drugs. I knew my grandma would not tolerate drugs. I knew that if I could just get there, everything would be okay. And so I called my grandma up, and I said, hey, can I come down there and just sleep on your couch? I need to sleep on your couch for a few days. And she said, come on down. And I came down, and as I was here in Inglewood, Florida... Um, I kind of switched addictions. I had gotten off the pills and uh, the heroin, uh, but I thought, oh, well, drinking's legal. So I began bar hopping here in Inglewood, and I would get kicked out of most of the bars in Inglewood. I was a blackout drinker on top of being a heroin junkie, so when I wasn't doing heroin, I was blackout drinking. I would find myself in a blackout wandering Boca Grande with just shorts on, uh, you know, board shorts from out fishing on the pier by myself. And my life was in a total mess. And I remember I would come with my grandma on Sunday mornings, and I would sit in the very back, the back of her, and used to have the little niece and nephew, Joshy and Haley, that would come in and go to children's church. And I would come back there, and I would sit in the back, and I would say, God, you've set me free before. I know you can do it again. And finally, one day, I was so bad, actually, I was so bad that as they were worshiping one time, I found myself... Uh, snorting a pill in the bathroom there at Lemon Bay in the church. I was that bad off. Uh, But God heard me, as Pastor Gary said, God saw me. God knew what I needed that day. And because of Pastor Gary's faithfulness to Loving Hands Ministries and having us come and testify every single year, they showed up one year and this older man was on stage with all these young men in suits looking very clean, but I wasn't paying much attention. But as soon as the men began to open their mouth, and begin to talk about their past, I realized, wow, they have the same history as me. And God began ministering to my heart. I eventually called, reached out to Pastor Gary, and he got us connected with Loving Hands Ministries. I came into the ministry. It was very, very hard. Gus will share more about that, but it was like a Bible boot camp. And so for four years, I left the program and came back and left and came back. But I finally surrendered my life. And when I surrendered my life, this man, our founder, Pastor Wendell Wilson, took me in as a son, as rebellious as I was, as angry and bitter as I was. He poured the love out upon me. The love of Jesus radiated out of this man. And we realized that God was calling me to become his successor. So in 2012, he began grooming me up. So 10 years ago, I was in this church snorting pills during worship. And now, 10 years later, I'm here spreading the gospel, and I'm now raising up men and having a part in lives being changed. My, my grandma, are we live streaming, Raj? 
So my grandma is probably watching. She has since, since I got my life right, she since moved up to tech, Tennessee to help with her other grandchildren. She's like, Joe's good now. I'm ready to go. I don't think that was all of it, but I, I know it's part of it. And so she went up to Tennessee, but I believe she's watching live right now. And I remember, Pastor Gary's waving at you, Grandma. But I remember walking in one day a year or two later, and I'm up here sharing my testimony with the men on stage of Loving Hands. And I remember looking out and being able to say, you don't have to worry now, Grandma. I'm with him now. And see, I made my mother and grandmother, they would cry themselves to sleep. My mother would cry herself to sleep and pray, praying all night, waiting for that phone call that they were going to get a call that I was dead on the side of the road, that someone had found me because I was a blackout drinker. I was a heroin junkie. I would nod out at the wheel all the time and wreck my vehicles. But the faithfulness of God is that he sees every single one of us that are sitting here right now. And let me tell you, there's some of you I know that are hurting right now. And Jesus hears your hurt. He knows you. He loves you. And he's going to show his love today. So when you listen to these testimonies, you may not say, you may say, hey, I don't have a drug addiction. I don't have an alcohol addiction. But maybe you're battling with depression. Maybe you're battling with anxiety. Maybe you're battling as a workaholic. And you're putting work before your family, work before Jesus. Maybe you're battling with pornography, one of the hidden sins that that has flooded our church. But I can tell you right now that God loves you enough that he's going to speak to your heart today. And he speaks in ways like he did when I was sitting in the back of that church. This morning, there was a man that showed up here at this church this morning that someone said he, he began asking people, where is the closest church? And he showed up here not knowing why he was here, broken as can be, possibly homeless, and he got to be, receive Jesus. He got to hear the gospel today. And I just want to encourage you that Jesus is in this place and he wants to touch you. No, I thank you, Pastor Gary and Fellowship Church, for being people that love people. Because when he walked in that door, the way he may have been looking at many other churches, he could have not got a second glance. But someone in here began to love on him and encouraged him to stay and then reached out to me and said, hey, there's a man back here I think you should go talk to during worship last service. So know that someone next to you right now could be hurting. They may have that pretty face on and they have their church face and dressed up nice. But I can tell you there are hurting people out there. And when you take this gospel and you walk out these doors, you have to take it with you. They're hurting people all over. There may be another Joe sitting in the crowd in the audience today that needs the gospel, that needs salvation. And I can tell you through these testimonies that no matter how deep you are, no matter how much depression you battle, no no matter how many suicidal thoughts come into your head, that it's not worth it, that Jesus loves you and he will set you free. I promise. So I'm going to have uh, my brother Gus uh, bring the men up, and he's going to continue in the service. He's now our program director in Palmetto, and God has done an amazing work in my life. He's become a best friend to me, a blessing to my life, and I know you're going to be blessed by these testimonies. Thank you. Can everyone, good morning. Can you hear me? Everyone can hear me out there? Man, you got a beautiful facility, Pastor Gary. It's been two years since I've been here, and oh my goodness, God is so faithful, and his people are so faithful, and I just pulled up in the property, I was like, oh my goodness, it's beautiful over here, and the peace, and it's just it's just amazing to be back. It was actually, uh, Joe, uh, in when I first got to the ministry, I've been here six years now, 
uh, born and raised in Miami-Dade, and, and I got to the ministry in 2012, and it was a testimony service right here, and not at this building, but the school, and I, 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 don't, I didn't like speaking in front of people. I'm not a public speaker. And these guys were all dressed up, looking sharp with their suits, and very new to the program, and Pastor Wendell is uh, trying to make me share my testimony, and I'm literally like, mm-mm, mm-mm, no, 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 no. And he's like, share your testimony. I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Slaps me in the back of the head, right? Because that's, that's what a spiritual father could do, right? Just slap you in the back of the head, right? It don't, it don't matter how old you are, you can get slapped around by your father. So he's, and I just remember just like, um, my name is Gus, and I was on drugs, and now I'm not. Thank you. <laughs> and, and I still get so nervous, but I'm so thankful that six years later, I'm still free from drug addiction. I'll never be back. Yeah, so grateful. So grateful. Pastor, Pastor Gary, was, uh, he was sharing. He was like, man, it's, it's, it's been a while. We've, we've missed you since the last time you came. And I said, yeah, absolutely. A lot has changed. And... Um, he he actually mentioned, is it true that you got married? I said, yes, sir. I got married 90 days ago, 90 days ago. So, 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 so I'm so in love. And uh, a lot of people are like, man, you look very, very like I see the Lord all over. You're like very full of like joy and stuff. And I say, yeah, that's very true. But I'm also in love. <laughs> I got the love bug. <laughs> Yeah, so I've been married 90 whole days, and I'm ready to write a book on marriage. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's actually leading worship today. She can't be with me on Sundays right now for this season. She's a worship leader and committed to a church, uh, and, and she's in full-time ministry. So God has blessed me. And uh, I believe that God has something specific for you this morning. And you are going to be encouraged um, uh, and empowered, challenged. And also find hope for someone who has been struggling perpetually with drug addiction, alcohol addiction, any type of addiction. Or you just came in and you have lost hope. And I just, just, just remind us this morning that this is a space of hope. This is a space of hope. I, 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 get, I get the privilege to be able to serve as the program director of Loving Hands Ministries. These fine young men standing behind me and including myself uh, struggled with addiction for many, many years. We're alternative to prison. We are rehab- we, some call us a rehabilitation center. We call it a discipleship. So it's a residential treatment. Two years, the men have to live on campus, um, secluded from the world. Uh, some of them are sentenced to us instead of going to prison. They get sentenced to us two years, and we call it like a Bible boot camp. Bible boot camp. It's six and a half hours a day. You're in a classroom setting. There's no television, no, no movie time, no uh, coffee, no secular conversations. You're absolutely secluded for two years for Jesus and the development of your faith and character. And it is very, very, very hard. Can I just say I've tried to walk away from the program? Yeah, everybody, can I get an amen over here from, from my guys over here? It is very, very, very hard, very disciplined, very structured. Every single minute of the day is accounted for. You literally are uh, just pretty much told what to do all the time, uh, being taught the Word of God. And it takes you denying yourself to a whole new level. 
One of the ways we uh, discipline um, ourselves in the program, a guy like me never had discipline. And we did what we want, how we wanted, when we wanted, and that was it. So you get to a program now who is, which is making you do your bed, fold your clothes. It's like, I don't even know what that means, okay? Do my bed and fold my clothes. But now you get in a program that's actually making you do these things kind of like a military. And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you get written up which is like a, a Christian citation, like a ticket, right? Like if you get pulled over, right, and you get or written up, that's kind of a, we, a system that we have. And some of our RODs are the ones who, they're called resident on duties. And it's kind of like an anonymous, anonymous system. So uh, Anthony is one of our RODs. He, he has the uh, kind of the authority to write people up when they break the rules because he's been here a certain amount of time. Now, if I watch a guy break the rule, I'm not going to say, hey, I'm writing you up. I'm going to be discreet about it, and I'm going to go in the closet and just write it up so there's not hostility and beef between one another. One of these moments in my life, these discipline moments, changed me when I decided to eat someone's food without permission. Because I'm a, I'm, I, 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 gluttony is like my thing, right? Right? And I had a whole piece of chicken a whole piece of corn, and a whole side of mashed potatoes, and that wasn't enough. And this guy comes in, and he, well, he said he was fasting. So his plate was right there. I'm like, oh, he's fasting. Okay. So I'm looking around. I'm like, no one's touched this meal. And I don't do it. I brought the plate right now and just ate it, boom, 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 real quick. All right, I'm out of here. Left. A few minutes later, the guy comes in. He's like, man, I don't want to fast anymore. It's too hard. Where's my food? I was like, oh. So long story short, Joe hears about it, this precious man right here in the blue suit. Right? And he disciplined me very, very uh, severely. I mean, according to, to, to my actions. And I remember he, I was so, so enraged at him for the discipline, I wanted to throw a plate at his head, right? And, and, and I'm just being transparent and open and honest. And I remember him sitting across from me in front of everybody correcting me for what I did, and I was so angry I wanted to fight him. And he's my leader. And that, that day, after being disciplined, I ran into a closet, and I began to cry out to God that I didn't want to be that way because I realized how disgusting my nature was and I wanted to change I wanted to change and, and, and thank God for those times of discipline and, and, and structure because all these men including myself could test today that we are here saved and empowered by Jesus Christ alone but the discipline of, and the structure of the program has helped us in the process and you are about to hear some stories of some of these men who have endured the discipline that I have and many times have wanted to quit. Some of these guys are a little newer and they're starting to experience a little bit of the refinement. I'm like, I don't know if I signed up for this. Pastor Wendell passed away two years ago. Uh, he was a general in the faith, but he was a man of discipline and structure, integrity, character. He was big on that. And man, what he left behind is incredible. The legacy he, he left behind was incredible. Started with simply ministering 
to men in jail, an inmate like me, going into the jails, ministering to them. They would get released from jail on fire for Jesus. But after a certain amount of time with the temptations of the world, without the proper discipline, you fall back into your ways. So Pastor Wendell was like, I need, there's more. And he felt God calling him to do this. And it started with one inmate getting released from prison and him asking his wife, hey, honey, can he stay, can he, can he stay for dinner? She's reluctantly like, no, 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 no. We have kids in our house. This is not going down. He's like, please, he has nowhere to eat dinner. And, and she's like, all right, fine. They had dinner after dinner. Hey, it's a little late. Can he just spend the night? Hey, can he just spend the night? And reluctantly, she said yes. And I, I like to say 34 years later, we're still spending the night at his house. So this, what you're seeing here is, is a legacy continuing. It's just just going to next levels because of the leadership that was established before us. The leadership, I often say a legacy is not what you leave for somebody, but what you leave in somebody. And, and, and Pastor Wendell left a legacy for us to continue because of what he deposited in us. He taught us how to love people, how to love unconditionally. You know, I'll get into the st- testimonies in a moment, but the stories of this man of men that have came into the program to get help from addiction. And those very men will go into his house because there's 10-acre property and he literally divided his, his, per, his house, his personal house with the first family, and then the other half is the residential side of the program. And men that were seeking help will find their way in the middle of the night, sneak into his house, steal his car, sell it for drugs, and disappear into the night. Pastor Wendell having to go into the crack house and confiscate his car back. And Pastor Wendell still welcomed that young man with open arms and forgiveness because of Jesus. And I'm, I, I struggle with forgiveness when somebody cross, cr- cuts me off on, in traffic, right? Right? I'm like, I got ways to go. But this man implemented and represented Jesus in such a way. I'm like, Pastor, how do you love so well? Because I was exposed to the gospel of Jesus was a simple re- response. And now you're going to hear some of these stories. Uh, I got, we got a variety of kind of different time frames in the program, and it's kind of neat to see each and every one of them evolve, and some of them have been here two, three years, some of them have been here just a couple weeks, uh, so I'm going to ask actually Dylan, he is uh, the longest uh, staff trainee here, and he's been here two and a half, almost three years, almost three, almost three years, I'm going to let him share his story. Good morning. I, just standing there thinking about everything that the Lord has brought me through. Um, I can go on and on about how bad I used to be, but that doesn't even give glory to where I am right now. So I just want to share a more recent event in my life. Um, Two and a half months ago, almost three months ago now, my father um, passed away from heroin overdose. And I know that. Um, So the very first thing that I did when I got this news was I called Gus. 
um, because Gus recently lost his father as well. So I said, Gus, what did you do when you got this news? How did you accomplish or continue to push forward? And he said, don't give up, stay accountable, and don't be alone. And I'm going to always remember that because it, it, I'm so thankful for the life of these men who have been before me, for Gus and Joe who have been here, gone strong for years, and the encouragement I'm able to receive from them. But also from that tragedy, the Lord has done something so good. Um, I'm also now in a position to where I'm the first person in my family to go through the credentialing process to become a minister of the gospel. And in my father's funeral for my entire family, I was blessed with the opportunity to give a 15-minute sermonette and explain about Ecclesiastes. And members of my family were able to see how good God is just from the surrendered life of somebody who's willing to go through the process of humility. Not humility, but humbling. Uh, to just humble themselves before the Lord. And... I've recently also been able to just connect back with those family members, members of my family who I hadn't seen for eight years prior to that. I might have stolen from them the last time I saw them. And God has completely transformed me. Three years ago, I was a drug addict. I was one of the worst people. My family didn't want anything to do with me. And now three years later, after graduating from Loving Hands Ministries, I'm the first person my family calls when there's a problem in the family and they need advice on something. They ask me, Bud, what can we do? Can you shed some light into our family? Can you please be that one to kind of help bring everything back together? I never thought that I would have that opportunity, but I'm so thankful for the legacy that Pastor Wendell left behind because when I walked through those doors, I was broken, I was hurting, and he gave me a home and he gave me hope in order to see that I have a future and that I'm far greater than what this world ever called me or tried to say that I was. I want to leave a verse with you, and it's, it's John 8:36. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Thank you guys so much for being here. Good morning, everyone. My name's Anthony, and I'm 35 years old. I've been in the program now for about 17 months. And before I came to Love and Hands, um, I, had a, I had a great church that I went to. I had a accountability. I had an awesome family. And I had a job that I loved. Uh, my boss hired another artist to come work with me, and I became really good friends with her. And I ended up taking that relationship way too far. And uh, after about a year, uh, that relationship completely separated me from God. And I ended up losing my best friend. And I didn't know how to deal with those emotions at that time. I didn't even realize how much it affected me. I had been clean from drugs for years. And um, I ended up relapsing. And I, I got out of the hospital and... Uh, everybody, of course, asked me if I was going to be okay and everything, and I, I was so deceived. I thought I was. I thought I could keep functioning and, and going to work and living this double life, and uh, somehow I thought that it would just turn out all right, but, but it didn't, and um, it was just tearing me up inside. I'm trying to go to church and do all these things, and it was just miserable. So um, I ended up breaking down and uh, came to the end of all that, and Loving Hands was suggested to me, and God gave me the courage to come here for two years. And since I've been here, God's restored the peace in my life. And um, one of the things that really stood out to me that I haven't really shared before was that, like, I, I'm an artist, so my life was, like, drawing and painting. And um, I was very devoted to the craft, and it was something that was very uh, dear to me. And when I came in the program, how Gus was talking about how difficult it is, and it seems like each person has something that in their life, whether it's kids, a wife, or family, that is just hard to give up. And they came to me and they were like, you're, gonna, you're not allowed to draw or paint while you're here. And God spoke to me in that time and, he, and 
I was like, man, Lord, I was like, I don't think I can do this because that was what was most important to me at the time. And God spoke to me and told me, he said, do you love it enough to lay it down? And that was something that really, that I never had to deal with before. But I'm starting to see it more as I'm getting closer to the end of this program, what God was doing throughout it. So it's just a real blessing to, to see things like that in my life. So I thank you guys for letting me share. I'll leave you with um, scripture verse. Uh, Psalm 512, for you, Lord, will bless the righteous, and you surround him with favor like a shield. Thank you. Yeah, this, again, to, to to the structure of the program, you imagine, could you imagine something that you love passionately? Without a doubt, God gives us passions and giftings for us to use for his glory and often we before we come to Jesus we're using those giftings to build the kingdom of darkness and then God brings us into a place where he's asking us to lay it down completely for us to get our realignment with him first then what happens is we get our realignment with him And our biblical understanding that God has given us those giftings. And now that we're aware of who God is and who gave us the giftings, now we are able to utilize the giftings where they need to be. So I I see this man who who at one point was using those giftings for all the wrong things. And now God is real. He got his vision realigned. And now he's going to use those giftings for God's glory. In fact, he's going, to be, he's going to be doing a speed painting this year at More Than Words Conference. I'm going to share in a little bit about, but, but there's going to be about over 3,000 young people in attendance here. And he's going to do speed painting on the platform of a big portrait of Jesus. So utilizing his giftings for, 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 for God's uh, glory. I want to do something different. I, I, I want to do something different and kind of just take a shift for a moment. Because we've seen here, Till and Anthony, and we see a line of men who have been redeemed uh, for Jesus and are currently in the process of, 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 of being in the residential discipleship, loving hands. But I want to kind of give you a visual of what happens after loving hands. And I am so thankful that we have two graduates from Loving Hands Ministries, and I'm going to call them out and throw them under the bus, but I'm going to ask them to come up here, Tim and Josh. Come on. Come on. Yeah. So good. Love you all, man. Love you, man. I, I just, I, I want to thank God for their lives, and, and I'm going to let them share a mo- in a moment. But I just, just how God unifies us and binds us together. Josh graduated the ministry over six years ago. He was still, when I just had came into the ministry, he was on his way out. He was heroin addicted for many, many years, almost lost his life and overdose and all types of stuff. Graduated the ministry, is now living in Inglewood, serving in the local church, and he is here with 
his beautiful wife and two kids, drug-free, and a family man. So now, Tim Hill came directly from prison, spent three years in prison for trafficking meth, and knew that he needed something more than prison. Because how many of us know that correction department is not correction if Jesus is not involved? Because Jesus is what ultimately corrects the heart. So Tim is getting released from prison and willfully decided to come into the program of two years. Never been exposed to any like, anything like this. He thought we were crazy when he saw all these people shouting for Jesus. <laughs> really, truthfully. But he had some rough patches along the road, very rebellious. He was, uh, I think, uh, I think he was, he has a, he had a master's degree in manipulation and lying and, 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 and listen, listen, and, and this is, this is not to, to, to embarrass him and he knows this, but he was very, very, very well just groomed in, in, in manipulating. In fact, I, 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 he gave us, he was a thorn in our flesh coming through the program. He, he caused trouble. He was a ringleader in a lot of cases. In fact, I had, I had, one, of the, I had one of our leaders come up to me one night. I, I, one day, I shared this story. It's kind of humorous. But he knocks on my office door. He's like, hey, man, I hate to bother you about this, but I don't know what to do. He says, I think Tim might be sneaking coffee. Coffee's an absolute contraband in the program. It's, it's an absolute contraband. And he's like, I actually think he's sneaking coffee. I was like, what makes you think that? He's like, well, during work projects, it's our time where we work on the property, and there's a shed out on our property. And he said, during work project, I could smell coffee. I was like, really? Yeah, and then I saw an extension cord going all the way out of the shop to the, to the back of the shop, and at the back of the shop, there was a table with a coffee pot there, and it, it, I feel like it was just freshly brewed. I was like, hmm, that's pretty good evidence that he is brewing some coffee. <laughs> but anyways, you know, this, 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 this man who was so well at, at, at doing what he did and lying and cheating and doing these things is, is, is now representing Jesus and carrying a job and, and being honest and integral and and now how God like is so strategic with his placement that he graduated six years ago is living in Inglewood. He just graduated about two weeks ago and they are now connected together circuit serving in the local church and working together. So now you got two Christian brothers that graduated the program and helping each other out in life. And this is just product of what you are a part of. Where you are a part of. And I actually just want to let Tim just share a little bit of his, his, his experience and how it is just, you know, where he came from and how it is adjusting to, to the community and being, a, you know, representing Jesus. God is good. That song that you sang a minute ago said, With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. And uh, I'm just, uh, I love you guys, man. Loving Hands Ministry. I feel like I owe a debt forever that I can never repay. Um, man, I came to the ministry just a total, complete disaster. I was a mess. I was rebellious and loud and angry and hostile. And I don't know how they put up with me for... A year, because for a year I was a complete terrorist. Wherever they put me, I was a terror. And uh, 
And God still somehow was able to use me and is still able to use me. You know, uh, my family, my, 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 my friends, my children had completely written me off. When I say written me off, like literally, I was not allowed to come to their house. I was not welcome at my home, my hometown. Um, and God has restored my family. You know, he's restoring me as a person. You know, I'm graduated. I'm still seeking the Lord. It's good to be out of the program and still be seeking the Lord, you know, and just doing the things that I'm supposed to do and, and having some character and integrity and, and just, uh, it's, it's just been really good, you know. Morning, church. First, I want to pray to God. God, may I decrease so you can increase. May it be your words and not my own. Amen. All right. Well, Gus was talking about being nervous. I feel like I'm brand new again. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm looking for a podium to be able to hide behind, actually. So thanks. I grew up in a, a, a good, caring family. I have no excuses for my actions. My actions led me to a place where I never thought I would go was a heroin addict, and at the end of my road where I thought everything could not possibly go any longer, could not go any worse, it did. I was dating this girl. She and I were back and forth. I didn't want to live with her. She didn't want to live with me, being a liar and a cheat and everything else. So I was staying with a buddy of mine. His name was Adam. I'm just going to get right straight to the point. I went to work, didn't think about anything, came back from work. It was just the same day in and day out. I did not want to be a heroin addict anymore. I knelt down next to my bed and I threw out a prayer to God. And I said, God, if you help me get out of this, I'll do anything you want. Next day I went to work, same routine. I came back. My buddy Adam, he had just picked up his prescription and he was being like Adam always was. God rest his soul. And I said, well, I'm going to go cop. And he said, well, which means to, to pick up. And he, he was out as well. We were both sick. And... So I went and I picked up and I, I came back and Adam was trying to shoot up and I was frustrated and he kept missing and I said, man, just let me take care of that for you. So I shot him up and then I shot myself up and then I passed out. When I came to, I don't know, like if you've ever had surgery or any, anything with narcotics, then when you come to normally you're groggy. When I came to, it was as if somebody smacked me over the head and I was stone cold sober. I looked down and my friend Adam was laying on the floor, face up, not breathing. I want to say I went and did CPR to the best of my ability, but I was a heroin addict. And I went and I hit all the drugs and did everything that you shouldn't do. By the time the paramedics arrived, they pronounced him dead. At that point, I didn't want to live. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Other than I didn't want to be like this and I didn't want to be here. So I proceeded to do all the drugs in the house, which should have been enough to kill a mule and a small army. Next thing I recall is my mom standing over top of me, asking me what I was going to do. I don't recall calling my mom, especially at a time like that. I tried to keep my distance, so I didn't have a good answer for her. I went back to my parents' house, and I detoxed on the couch. And while I was there trying to figure out what I was going to do, how the heck I could get out of this, I knew that I had gone way too far, and I didn't want to be like that. I knew I had to get off the drugs. And My father was talking to my aunt who lives in Sarasota, and the guys had come and spoke at her church. And so I asked my dad to get a hold of the ministry, and I filled out the paperwork. And Pastor Wendell said, well, if you come down here, I'm willing to give you a shot. So there were a couple things in the favor. The fact that it was 17 degrees and there was 
about seven to eight inches of snow home and I come to sunny Florida. I figured, well, that's got to be better than this. So I went and I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this the way I want to do it. I'm going to do, do everything the way I want to do it. I had my own set game going. So I got there and you know, I got saved and it took about six months for me to really stop being a, a hard head for God to really start reaching into me. And I still had some points of rebellion and I still, still acted out, but God is faithful and he's just. The miracle that I can see is the fact that God was willing to take a chance and save a scoundrel like me. You know, it's the same with Barabbas. It's the exact same way Christ laid down his life so Barabbas could be set free. It's the same with all of us. Now, I want to say that everything since then I've done, since I got saved, everything was great, but it's a process. It's a steady, long-going process, and God is patient. Since I've graduated the program, I'm a superintendent for Lemon Bay Construction. We just finished building our house last year. I have three beautiful kids, one that I adopted, a beautiful wife. and I recently was blessed with going to Haiti, which is a crazy place. And I thought, for sure, you know, I'm going to Haiti. I'm going to come back. I'm going to be completely on fire. And I just still had this, like, draw about me where I was just, like, I was uncomfortable about everything that I'd seen. I'm confident with Christ, but this is really difficult. And Pastor Dan told me, hey, there's a, a, a young guy coming from Loving Hands. He said, he's going to be really good for you. I said, yes, yeah, sir. I, I'm really busy, man. I don't know if i got time for that. And so then some time went by, and Tim came by, and since Tim, Tim joined back in my life, I'm, I'm like, man, I, I am doing the right thing. So sometimes it takes a young spark to reunite an old flame. So, praise God. The final thing I want to touch on is I've read many books in my life, but I've only read one book that has changed my life, and that's the Word of God. Amen. Love you, man. Can we give it up for Jesus and transforming these men's lives? You guys are good. You guys are good to go. I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to give you a strong visual of what it means to be a part of our lives. I think often we think of, 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 of giving, if I will, as an, a, a, a physical thing that we just deposit or make a financial contribution to a project. But I want you to see a visual because someone in here not only has gave sacrificially, financially, but has gave of their time prayerfully, has just encouraged us at a table and gave words of encouragement. And this is a product of what happens when you sow seeds of love. Can I just, can I just testify that I came six years ago. I didn't even have a plan to serve God. I just was trying to get away from Miami, and God saved me, and I've been able, by God's grace and at all, am I boasting in my own ability for what God has done through me because someone believed in a wretch like me. And one of the things that God was able to birth in me was a conference for students, for youth, because I have a passion for this young generation, and I'll explain why in a minute. But I've, I simply heard a whisper to reach and touch these young people 
And since I have heard that, I heard that whisper the first year, we had over 1,000 young people show up in a convention center. 400 young people dedicate their lives to Jesus. This year, we're expecting double that. And you guys in the past years have been significantly uh, a part of this and giving financially and being a part of it because I always felt in the past years that I wanted to make it as affordable for students to come and attend and hear God's word. And I just wanted to give you a visual of a recap video of, 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 of last year's um, conference, actually. I think Roger's got it queued up back there. Is there anyone in the room that would say, my life is going to be more than words. My actions are going to be more than words. The very way I treat my friends, the very way I treat my family, the very way I act in my private time is going to show that I'm more than my words. I am committed to the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because I am one of those worshipers that will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Come on. If that's you, give him a shout. that should have drowned me some people I connected with that should have drowned me but somehow some way I'm still here and God did not spare me just to spare me God spared me because he wants to use me God spared me because there's a calling on my life God spared me because he wants to use me to spare somebody else you aren't lucky you're blessed you aren't lucky, you're favor. You aren't lucky, you're called, you're picked. Is that amazing or what? Um, you guys are a part of this. You guys have blessed us every year. Every year you're like, hey, I see that and I understand that we're a, a, an older congregation or a more mature congregation. But this, more mature, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. 
But uh, I know there's not a lot of kids in that music. Dun, 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 dun. I know you, it's, not, it's not your thing. But when we partner with someone that's doing it, we're still being a part of that. And I can tell you there are lives that are changed in this. There are lives that are changed because I had a, a young man come up to me, and, and God bless him. I know he wasn't meaning harm, but he came up to me, and he said, I'm, I'm from Russia. And he said, you know, we see these youth things all the time, but let me ask this. If you took the music and the sound away, would anybody show up? And I say, you know what? Probably not. But let me tell you this. Are you going to go into their school? Where are you going to get 400 to 3,000 kids to come somewhere to hear the gospel? So I understand what he's saying, the hype. But that's how we get them. Are they going to come in here? Like, come on. Unless you're going to go get them out into the thing. And a lot of times the church don't want to get out of the four walls to go share the gospel with someone else. So if we got to do something out of the ordinary to get them inside to give them the gospel. I'll give you an example. Because Gus ministers on Sunday nights at a, youth, a young adult group here in town. And he walked in there, and he showed up there on a Sunday night, and the uh, Pastor Kieran came up to him, the church that these graduates are at, came up to him and said, hey, I want you to meet this young lady. And she began to say, I gave my life to Jesus at more than words. And she's now serving in the church. God's moving. So sometimes it's not my thing. But I can tell you, God's gave him a vision, and I'm going to partner with it and and, uh, you know, if you feel that in your heart that you can financially sow into that, not try to make you begrudgingly, but if you feel you can sow into that, uh, we, we were able to raise some uh, in first service. We're still 7,800 short. But there's 3,000 lives that are going to be radically transformed. I can't wait for you to see the video next year. So come see us at the back um, because God's moving. And I want to be a part of what God's doing. But I want real fast, I know there's people hurting in here. And I know we want to get out and go eat lunch real quick. But I know for a fact there's people hurting in here real fast. And God wants to minister to you. So I want to have Gus share just... Yeah, I was uh, just watching that video. It, 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 it always gets me emotional. And because of, of the f- understanding your condition, where you, want, where you were. You know, I, if, if, if any of you had had a disease that I have been had you in bad condition and you were able to be experience freedom from that disease there's something special about you kind of reflecting on those seasons like man I was in bad shape I'm thankful for where I'm at today I would 2012 I was sitting in the custody facing 55 years to conspiracy to murder 55 years in 2012 May 16th my life had taken a, 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 a just downfall, and that's actually my last mugshot before Jesus, 2012. And I was planning, I was trafficking drugs throughout the state, and I was planning to actually intercept a half a million dollars worth of drugs and kill two men for those drugs. This is where my sin had taken me. And we planned and planned and planned and we thought we were going to be rich and we were going to get away with everything and we were going to leave out of the state and be rich. And God intervened. The week of the robbery, my cable gets cut off of my house and I was trying to watch the heat game and, and, and I, I couldn't miss that heat game. And long story short, I was supposed to be the getaway driver as my friends went in the household and took the men's lives and I was going to be the getaway driver. The night before the robbery, because my cable was cut off at my house, 
I watched the game elsewhere, drinking all night by myself when my friends said, hey, stay home, you got to be well rested. And I didn't listen to them. Went back to my house to try to get my phone charger. And I banged on my mom's door and I said, mom, let me in at least so I can get my phone charger. And, I, and my mom did not open the door that day and she said, you're not coming back in this house intoxicated. This is the house of God and I'm not going to enable you to live like this any longer. And I walked away angry. But my mom was in tune with God and she did what she felt was right. And I overslept that the next day without access to my cell phone and my friends went without me to do the robbery. And the, the people that we were going to rob and kill were undercover federal agents. And the federal agents opened fire on the vehicle and they killed the driver who replaced me. My friend Sergio, because I wasn't home and I didn't have access to my cell phone, my friend Sergio replaced me that morning. He lived right across the street from my house. That is actually the live footage from the news. And I got arrested and I'm facing 55 years to conspiracy to murder because I knew everything that was happening. And, 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 and we sit, I'm sitting here and a lot of the times you'll hear my passion in the voice is because of the internal evidence, external evidence of what God has done in the inside. You see, I remember that day so vividly. I was in a cold federal cell. Cold federal cell with absolutely no hope to get me out of this situation. But because of the people along my life that implemented and, 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 and exampled Jesus in my life, because my mother always prayed, my mom stayed faithful to God. And I know we're going a little over, but I just I feel like this is important. Don't underestimate the power of Jesus. And I'm sitting in, co in, in this cold federal cell, and I said, Jesus, I need you. And he set me free and gave me the second chance of life. Thank God for grace and for praying mothers and family members who stand with their lost loved ones. And in, and in, and in closing, Pastor Gary, in closing, I, I, I need to share this. This is so important. Uh, you see this news report. There, there was feds all over the place. The feds kicked in my hotel room. They found a GPS I had on my rental, and they were tracking me. And they found me in the hotel room, and, they, and, and it was like a movie scene. I was on every news channel, right? And I get saved. I get filled with the Spirit. God redirects my path. And, and just uh, about a year ago, already serving God and preaching the gospel, my friend from Miami is in town, a good kid, never got in trouble. He says, man, I heard about the transformation in your life. Can you come visit me? I'm, a, I'm, I'm with my soccer team here in a, on, a, on a tour. I said, yeah, what hotel you're going to be at? Gave me the number of the hotel room. I went to visit him. And as I go visit him in this hotel room in Sarasota, Florida, he is from Miami. And he says, hey, man, now that you're here, can, can you talk to one of my soccer players? He's getting into trouble. He's smoking weed. He's 15 years old. He's being rebellious. I said, yeah, absolutely. Show me, take, take me to the room. I go into the room, and as I go into the room, there's a few soccer players and the chaperones. The parents are in the room. I begin to just proclaim the gospel and testify word for word the story that I just shared with you. There's a man sitting beside me right here, strong, in his, in his mid-50s, muscular, and he's just listening to me, intent me intently as I'm sharing my story. And every single word that was coming out of my mouth, he was just nodding like this, very intently. Caught my attention. Long, I, 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 I end up sharing the gospel. The young kid repents, gives everybody a hug in the room, cries. I'm sorry for acting that way. I felt accomplished. I leave the hotel room heading back home. 
And as I'm heading into the elevator, the gentleman that was standing beside me, muscular, mid-50s, was listening intently to me, follows me outside, calls me by my whole name. He says, Gustavo Cabrera, Southwest 122nd Street, Miami-Dade. I say, yes, sir. I was one of the undercover federal agents that took you into custody and took your friend's life. And God, God placed me in a room 300 miles from this man to be able to testify of the Jesus that saved me. And I can, and I integrate this with this biblical story of the man who was paralyzed by the pool of Bethesda just sitting there and he had no one to set him free and Jesus finally stepped into space and healed him and set him free. And the very same people that saw this man lame and paralyzed started asking, who in the world healed you and gave you permission to pick up your mat? And I was able to integrate that with this man right here. This man saw me paralyzed, but not no longer I was testifying to the good news of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness in here? You see, I don't know where you're at in life today, but I know God could set you free and put you on a path to share the good news of Jesus. He's the God of second chances. Amen. Hey, um, um, I, I, I know we're a little over. I know we're a little over. And, 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 can, 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 amen. Amen. Can, can we just pray corporately? And, and I want to pray for, for just chains to be broken and, and, and prodigals to come back today. But I also want to open up this space right here for anyone who wants to step out in faith and, and, and put their faith in Jesus. I want, I want to meet you here. And, and I believe today is going to be a transformative moment, moment for you. And, and God's going to mark you and God's going to set you on a path that you can never even imagine. <laughs> Jesus so good. Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you, God, for your goodness. I thank you, God, for your mercy, Jesus. God, I thank you for every soul that is represented in this building, God, that you have intricately created and you have wonderfully made. I thank you, God, that our shame of yesterday doesn't have to paralyze us for today and tomorrow's future because of your grace. Now, I'm speaking for those. We're praying, God, on behalf of those who are bound to an addiction. And haven't been able to shake it, God. Because they have been attempting to be free in their own strength. Speak to our hearts. I'm praying for freedom from addiction. I'm praying for freedom from guilt. I'm praying for freedom from shame. I'm praying for the prodigals, God. The sons and daughters that have went away, that are represented in this body right here, God. We are praying, we're interceding, we are believing, God, that you didn't die just for one, but you died for all, Jesus. Oh, God, we believe that you are working something perfect even now, Jesus, within their hearts. Thank you, Father. Jesus, thank you, Father. How we give the rest of our week, these moments to you, Jesus. We dedicate all that we are to you. I thank you for this church, this body, and the faithful givers and supporters that make this movement so unique. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen and amen. These altars will be filled. If you want to, I'll be right up here. If you want to talk, if I can pray for you, if I can encourage you in any way. If you don't know who Jesus is, come see me. I would love to introduce you to him.